everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rest of the West. I am one of your co-hosts, Matthew Stanley, at Boltfan in Denver on Twitter, and joining me once again is Michael Peterson. Michael, how was your weekend? The weekend was actually a ton of fun. I ended up working a little bit more than I wanted to, but got to watch the game, got to have a good time, enjoy myself. Um, it was good. Matthew, how was yours? Uh, mine was good, too. Um, I... Uh, Obviously, uh, now that I'm in Denver, I had to pick one Denver sports team to follow, so I chose the Rockies, and uh, the Rockies have been killing it this week. They won the wild card game in Chicago, and then uh, they they lost tonight's game uh, in the the NL first game of the NLDS. But you know, I'm excited to have them in the playoffs. I've got tickets to their game or games here in uh, Denver, and I'm looking forward to that. But we are here to talk about football, so. We will start with the Broncos and Chiefs game uh, since they played each other this week. And, uh, Michael, why don't you go ahead and lead us off on that one? So this game was actually, to me, it ended up being a much better game to watch uh, than probably a lot of people expected. Um, the Broncos haven't been that good this year. I know Case Keenum hasn't been the quarterback that they, they hoped he'd be, and the Chiefs have been amazing. But the Broncos actually did a really good job sticking with the Chiefs. Uh, their offense looked good. Um, they took advantage of a lot of the Chiefs' weaknesses on defense and really kept it a close game um, really until the very end. But Mahomes, man, he just kept doing it. And a lot of people kept saying, you know, he hasn't played anybody. Wait till he plays a good defense in a hostile environment, prime time. Like, people just kept making those excuses for him, you know, like, don't jump on the Mahomes bandwagon right away. Like, he still has to do some things for him to get, uh, you know, the final bit of respect. And he finally did those things. I mean, he didn't throw, you know, a ton of touchdowns. He only had one touchdown uh, pass in this game. He did rush for a touchdown. So um, if anything, that just shows you, yes, he is a good quarterback that, you know, if he's unable to get done with his arm, then he can still make it, um, you know, inflict some pain on, with his legs and, and, and hurt you in some other way. So Mahomes looked amazing. There was a left-handed pass in there at one point to convert. I think it was a, a third or a fourth down, um, kind of a clutch, clutch play. I mean, rolling to his left, he's right-handed, and then flipped the ball to his left hand and then shot-putted it to Tyreek Hill, who was about a yard short of the first down, but it was just perfect enough where Tyreek was able to catch it, scamper uh, the one yard over, get the first down, get out of bounds, and it was real quick, but, man, it was just absolutely perfect. Um, and at the end of the game, Case Keenum uh, overshot uh, Demarius Thomas for a touchdown that – uh, could have, I think, I think would have ended up tying it or winning it, um, but he missed it. They ended up not completing uh, any other passes, went on to lose. And it was actually a really, really, really um, interesting game. And one that you were just begging the Broncos to to give the Chiefs, you know, their first loss. And, you know, no matter who won, it was still going to affect, you know, our standing. We were still going to be fall behind by a game or something like that. But um Overall, great, great game, Stanley. Uh, again, you being in Denver, what was it kind of like where you were watching this game? Uh, so I watched this game at home with my wife. Uh, my wife, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife is a Broncos fan. Uh, so I was watching the game with her, and it was a really good game. I mean, it was, it was like you said, it was super close the whole way through. Uh, they were still tied 13-13 in the third quarter, and then the Broncos started to pull away, and going into the fourth quarter, um, actually like with like 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Broncos were still up, uh, 23 to 13. They had a 10 point lead. And like you said, I mean, Patrick Mahomes 
we've said it on the show a couple times, but he just looks so calm out there, so collected. He looks like he's got more experience than this being his fifth start in the NFL. Um, and yeah, he just, I mean, that play that you were talking about where he threw it with his left hand, he was rolling out. And not only was he able to keep his eyes downfield, find Tyreek Hill at the sticks, shove the ball into his left hand and shot, put it over, but he was being actively tackled while he did this. He wasn't just, you know, running and couldn't, ha- couldn't set his feet. He was being tackled to the ground when he did it. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was really, really something to behold. Um, and yeah, like you said, uh, right, right there at the end of the game, uh, Case Keenum had Demarius Thomas. Thomas. He had him wide open. Demarius ran a great route. And uh, well, actually, Case I'm, I'm going to stop you for a second. Did you see the uh, the replay um, when Demarius Thomas came off the ball? He actually, when he was working around the cornerback to the outside, he wasn't running full speed for some reason. If you watch it, he kind of took the uh, pedal, you know, took his foot off the pedal for a second. And then you can see the oh shit moment where he realized he was getting the ball and then he sped up and it was just outside. But I watched this over and over and over again. Someone put uh, a clip of it on Twitter. And yeah, like he didn't run it full speed. It was a good route. Don't get me wrong. But as he came around, uh, when he turned his head towards the ball, he wasn't going full speed. You see the moment where he, you know, pedal to the metal, tries to catch up to it. Um, and that was killer. I mean, whose fault really it is, I don't know, but it was both parties. Yeah, it, it just it wasn't really a clean second half by the Broncos, I would say the, the first yeah. half was really good. I mean, they they basically what I, what I think other teams are going to take away from this game is a pretty good uh, defensive game plan on how to um, stifle this Chiefs offense a little bit, because going into this game, the Chiefs offense was averaging like thirty nine point two points per game. Mm-hmm. And as you, you see the final score, they only scored 27 in this game uh, and Mahomes only threw one touchdown. So they had a really effective game plan. They pressured him a lot. They sent a lot of guys a lot against him, um, kind of got him stifled a little bit. He he only completed 28 of his 45 passes. So it was statistically his worst start of the year so far, um, but still no interceptions for Patrick Mahomes. He looks after the ball. Um, Travis Kelsey bailed him out a lot. He was, you know, he was their leading re- receiver, 78 yards on seven receptions. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the chiefs, they just continue to show that while they have some weaknesses on defense, you can't contain them for the entire game. Patrick Mahomes is a really good quarterback already and playing beyond his years. And both of these teams, I mean, the, the chargers and Broncos are both now at two and two. But both of these teams are very good, and this is going to be a tight race in the AFC West this year, a lot tighter than I expected just looking on paper going into the season. No, yeah, you're right. Um, Going back, and hopefully teams can look at this film, especially the Chargers. You know, they got a long time until they face Kansas City again. I believe it's the last game of the the regular season, or at least one of the last um, games this year. But one of the things that pops out to me as well on the stat sheet is that Tyreek Hill caught nine passes, but it was only for 54 yards. So he averaged six yards a catch. His longest catch was for 15 and he actually led the, led the team in targets was 13. So he caught most of those. But again, this was a guy who pretty much you could flip a coin about whether or not he's going to take a, you know, a pass or something to the house. Um, He's that explosive. And you saw what he did to the chargers. 
Um, we've seen what he's done to the Steelers, several other teams so far this season, but nine for 54. I mean, that's if you're going to hang your hat on anything as a defense, you know, stopping Patrick Mahomes from throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, that's one of them. But Tyreek Hill, who's known for taking the ball to the house all the time, um, nine for 54. I think that's huge. And I think that's something that uh, um, teams need to go watch the film on. Honestly, it seems like they did something right. Definitely. Yeah, they forcing him on those uh, forcing him to run shorter routes. Uh, like I said, it, it, they they pressured Patrick Mahomes a lot. So he had to get the ball out quickly. I mean, the, this Chiefs offensive line isn't a great offensive line. This is an offensive line that you can generate a pass rush against if you have enough guys that can rush the passer. The Chargers had a hard time with it because they kind of have Melvin Ingram, who's who's regressed a little bit this year, not having Joey Bosa across from him. I'm not saying that Melvin Ingram has been bad this year. He just, obviously, he's not putting up the sack numbers that he put up when when Joey was across the field from him. Mm -hmm. And then with Joey not there, I mean, the most effective pass rusher the Chargers have had this year is Derwin James at safety. And he's been really good, but you can't blitz Derwin James every single play. So when when the Chargers are playing the Chiefs later on in the year, hopefully Joey Bosa will be back and the Chargers will be able to kind of follow this game plan, like we said, and just pressure the hell out of Patrick Mahomes and let your corners and uh, you know take care of things on the back end. No, you're very much right. Um, so we've been talking mostly about the Chiefs up to this point. Uh, we haven't talked, obviously, about the Broncos a little bit, and we haven't played the Broncos yet this year. Um, Chargers have yet. I don't know. Do you know which week off the top of your head we faced the, the Broncos for the first time? I want to say it's like week 11. Is it that week um, or that far, I'm, huh? I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up right now because I know they play. They have the bye week, week eight, and then they play right. the Raiders coming back off the bye. November 18th, the Chargers. It's at home against the Broncos. So plenty of time. Okay, plenty of time to worry about the Broncos. Um, just pulling up some of the game stats right now. Um, let's see. So Case Keenum. I feel like a broken record. Every time we talk about the Broncos and Case Keenum, and I say he ain't it almost every week. And one more week has passed, and he still ain't it. 21 of 33, 245 yards, one interception, no passing touchdowns. He is killing the Broncos' offense. And again, this is an offense that torched the entire NFL with their pass catchers, and they have you know, a handful of those pass catchers still in uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Uh, they have Cortland Sutton. They have two really good rookies at running back with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And they're not getting almost any production out of their quarterback position. And I mean, it's almost scary to think that if Case Keenum can somehow find his form from last year when he's with the, the Vikings, a lot of people want to say Pat Shermer um, being the OC with the Vikings was a big part of giving Case Keenum confidence and putting him in a system where he's able to flourish. Um, it's easy for him to understand, et cetera, et cetera. And it's m looking more and more and more like that's the case, that Keenum was just a system quarterback, almost the definition of it if you really look at uh, the teams he's been with up to this point and before he was with the Vikings. And now um, he's got three passing touchdowns on the year. That's it. But luckily they got Lindsey and Freeman. So, um I mean, what do you think? Case Keenum's it, but if you if you really think about it, if he can just start throwing one or two touchdowns a game, getting to some sort of a level of consistency that 
the Broncos could have a pretty good offense. What do you think? I, I think you're right. I think that Case Keenum's performance is basically the only thing holding this Broncos team's back. They've got a really good two-headed monster in the backfield. I mean, uh, I, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman combined for 138 yards rushing and two touchdowns this week on only 20 carries. And they've got they they've still got a great defense even with with Wade Phillips leaving and losing Akeem Talib, uh their defense is still is still clicking and they they showed they're a good defense. I mean they're they're the only defense that's been able to hold this Chiefs offense under almost almost under 40 points this year and they held them under 30 points. So I think you're right. I mean Case Keenum <clears throat> he needs to he he hasn't been as advertised so far and they've got to figure something out for him. I don't know if if it's like a timing thing that they they need to work out some some better plays for him to get into a groove and start building that confidence up. I their offensive line isn't great, but it hasn't been bad. Like it's not like Case Keenum's running for his life all the time. I mean the the Chiefs have decent pass rushers uh with D Ford and Justin Houston and it looks like they got off four sacks um and i remember specifically two of those were coverage sacks so i mean it, <clears throat> case keenum just i don't know what's going on but he they need to find a way to get him into a groove if they want to you know be in this race for the afc west no you're definitely right um it's frustrating it's got to be frustrating for broncos fans i don't know how your wife feels watching it i know i've got a couple buddies that are broncos fans it's probably super super frustrating especially um, it seemed like there was a lot of hype and a lot of excitement and hope with the Case Keenum signing. Like, you know, they they muffed it with Paxton Lynch. Chad Kelly hasn't been, you know, the work in progress like they thought he was going to be. Um, they just haven't been able to figure it out. Trevor Simeon even, yeah, Trevor Simeon started 2017 much better than Case Keenum is. And everyone thought Trevor Simeon was just the poorest backup quarterback, starting quarterback that you could possibly have. Um, but he was actually killing it this time last year. So got to be frustrating for Broncos fans. Um, let's just hope, you know, again, that they don't, uh, they don't turn that switch until after the Chargers play them. Because with the way the, uh, the secondary we were just talking about, and I think in our group chat recently, someone put up a tweet about how bad the, uh, the Chargers secondary was doing. So um, that's a whole other story. But let's just hope they don't turn that switch and um, start being an issue that way. Um, but let's go on to... The Raiders versus the Browns game. Uh, we'll talk about the Raiders to to kind of tie this one together uh, because the Chargers do play the Raiders this week. The Raiders are one and three. They got their first one of the season in a 45-42 overtime victory over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and they barely won this one, if we're being honest. I think Baker Mayfield had three turnovers in the second half. I think it was two interceptions and a fumble or one interception and two fumbles. I know he struggling to to take care of the ball, um, but they barely squeaked this one out. So um, I believe you watched a little more of this game than I did. So let's hear your thoughts to start this one out. Yeah, this they were gifted this win basically. Like it, it took Baker Mayfield, you know, playing like a rookie quarterback in the second half of the game uh, for them to win this game. And, and there was actually... The, we complained a couple times this year about bad officiating, and this was probably one of the worst officiated games uh, in the league this season. There was 
bad calls on both sides. Um, there was one that benefited the Raiders near the end of the game that was just, it was really bad. Um, I think it, it, if I remember right, it was, um, there was a, a pretty obvious fumble by the Raiders, but the refs had too quickly called forward progress and it negated the turnover. Um, and that would have avoided overtime. Um, so yeah, the, <clears throat> the Raiders are still not a good team. Uh, it, beating this Browns team is, you know, nothing to write home about. And they were basically gifted this win. So if we dig in a little bit more into the stats, um, the Raiders defense just gave up a ton of yards on the ground. Uh, Nick Chubb had three carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. Basically, almost every single time he touched the ball, it was a touchdown for like a million yards. And then Carlos Hyde, who had the lion's share of the carries, had 22 carries for 82 yards. And a touchdown. So I mean, the 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 Browns were able to put up over 200 yards of rushing on the ground, and uh, what is that? Less than 30 carries. So <clears throat> it wasn't a good day for the for the Browns. I mean, for the uh, Raiders on defense. Now they did put up a ton of yards on offense. Um, this Browns defense is actually pretty good, and so it's a little concerning seeing how well the Raiders were able to move the ball. Uh, Derek Carr had 58 pass attempts for 35 completions, and that netted him 437 yards and four touchdowns. Now he did throw two interceptions again, um, and you know that that's definitely something to keep in mind. Is Derek Carr is he's playing pretty erratically this year. Um, he isn't making the best decisions at times, and so you know he's basically he's come way back down to earth. I know there was a lot of hype about Derek Carr over the past couple of seasons. Um, and he's playing, he, he's, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Case Keenum stinking it up, Derek Carr would be the worst quarterback in this division, but he is a very close third. Uh, again, we had Marshawn Lynch running the ball like a madman. He had 20 carries for 130 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but one of the things that, and we'll talk about this a little more when we get into the preview section, but I think the key to beating this Raiders team when the chart, when the Raiders have the ball is do everything you can to stop Marshawn Lynch and force Derek Carr to try and beat you because I don't think he can. So obviously with him throwing for half a million yards, Amari Cooper had a great game. He had eight catches on 12 targets for 128 yards and a touchdown. Uh, once again, Jared Cook, their their tight end, had 110 yards. So I think this is his third 100-yard receiving game um, since the season out, out of the four. So he's just tearing it up. He's destroying defenses right now. Uh, and he added two touchdowns on that as well. Um, and this is really the first game where Martavius Bryant got got in the mix for them. Um, he had seven targets, so he was definitely in the game plan, but he only pulled down three catches and still took it for 51 yards. So this offense moved the ball really well, um, especially compared to the first couple of weeks. And this is not, I mean, it is the Browns, but this is not a, you know, this is not a bad defense. They've, they've assembled a really good, young, fast, talented defense. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. 
Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Yeah, I agree. So it, it's tough to take or I guess figure out what the silver linings from this game are. The Raiders, his his numbers are inflated. Derek Carr's numbers, um, most because his defense has been letting him down. He's had to play keep up uh, for a while. So he threw it 58 times. That's obviously not a normal thing. That's not anywhere near his average. So stuff. he's second in the league, I believe, in passing yards. Um He's got a good amount of passing touchdowns as well, but you're right when you're saying he's playing erratic because he has thrown his fair share of interceptions as well. Um, and I think you're right in terms of the game plan, in terms of how the Chargers got to attack this team. It's it stopped Lynch, and maybe last year, earlier this season before it started, I'd be, I'd be fairly worried knowing how Lynch has been playing because he's been playing fairly well. He's I'm not going to say he's as the old amazing beast mode, but that dude can still run up between the tackles. He'll still run through your face over and over and over again. Like he's still that guy and he still plays with that mindset, but the chargers rushing defense has stepped up quite a bit. Um, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but I mean, leaving or uh, limiting cream hunt. He finally had his breakout game. Uh, didn't have that great a game against the chargers. This past week, the Chargers facing the 49ers and Matt Breda, who at the time was uh, leading the NFL in rushing yards, limited him to, although he only had nine carries, um, th- uh, 39 total yards, uh, still not nearly as efficient. He was averaging, uh, he was the only one averaging more yards per carry than Austin Eckler. I believe it was in the high eights, 8.7, 8.6, something like that. So again, to hold Matt Breda um, to, again, 39 yards on nine carries, it's not too bad whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, going in, stop Lynch. And I think that's possible. I really, really think that's possible. Uh, we'll see what Corey Lugit does in his return. People are kind of acting like all of a sudden he's the second coming of Aaron Donald, like the you know the whole offensive line for uh, Oakland's kind of on the injury report right now. So there's some potential for something there. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. I think uh, the the interior defensive line is kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for bonded like i'm thinking of the word of cohesive but they've just gotten more and more cohesive the bonds there um and they've been playing very very well and then when it comes to cooper and cook again the two guys he both caught eight passes this uh past game eight for 128 one for cooper cook another 100 yard game it's gonna be a test like we just talked about i mentioned earlier the three defensive backs casey hayward trevor williams and Desmond King have not had a good outing thus far. And although there is no pass rush to really help them, um, it's still a little uneasy to see. I think um, what we read earlier was all three of them are um, allowing a pass rating of triple digits, which is not good whatsoever for, you know, the quote unquote electric fence that they were, uh, you know, deemed to begin the season. It's just not good. Absolutely. whatsoever ever um with cook we don't have kaiser white um the chargers are missing their rookie linebacker the fourth round pick who was honestly he's been killing it since he uh has been starting this year um besides derwin james he was kind of the second rookie to really make a splash so far in these first four games or i guess first three because he didn't play this past week and we'll be without him so it's going to be really interesting to see what these matchups are how they're going to stop 
Jared Cook is honestly beyond me right now because I think it comes down to who? Jatavis Brown. I don't think Denzel Perryman's going to be on him. Uchenna, I don't think so. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of Derwin on Jared Cook this week. Um, and just to name a couple, well, I was just calling, you know, the defensive players for the Raiders who actually did something. Uh, Jonathan Hankins had two fumble recoveries. So um, that's not too shabby. And then Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst might be already the best defensive player actually on the Raiders. He had another sack, uh, another tackle for loss, and a pass deflected from the defensive tackle position. Um, I think that's one guy to look out for. He was super disruptive in college. He's a guy I talk about. A lot of people were fans of uh, prior to the draft. And looking at how Dan Feeney's kind of had a rough start to the season, um, Michael Schofield not playing the absolute best at his position either. Uh, that's going to be one matchup to watch specifically uh, come game time. Yeah, so <clears throat> speaking of, of those, you know, you just named a bunch of the starters for the Raiders. And, you know, we, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the final injury reports aren't out yet. We'll give those to you guys on our Saturday show. But the Raiders are extremely banged up right now. So let me run through their injury report thus far this week. So Amari Cooper, obviously their number one target in the receiving game, he has a foot injury and he was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. So we don't know if he's going to practice on Friday or not or his status for the game, but he's banged up. He's obviously not 100%. Their starting center, Rodney Hudson, has an ankle injury. He was limited Wednesday and Thursday. Maurice Hurst, who you just mentioned, who he played 60% of their defensive snaps at D-tackle this week, he has a shoulder injury and was limited Wednesday and Thursday. Bruce Irvin, who's really their only pass rusher now that uh, they traded away Mac, Khalil Mack, uh, Bruce Irvin, he hurt his knee apparently in yesterday's practice because he was added to today's injury report and he was only limited today. Gabe Jackson, who's their starting guard, has a pictorial injury, and he was limited yesterday and today. Carl Joseph didn't practice either day this week. Marshawn Lynch, who I just said is one of the keys of the game to stopping, he didn't play when he didn't practice Wednesday at all and was limited today. Colton Miller, their rookie starting left tackle, was limited yesterday and today. And Kalechi Osimile, their other starting guard has a knee injury and didn't practice yesterday or today. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of their starters have been either limited or not practicing this week. And that will be huge for the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers are a little banged up too. Like you mentioned, Kazir White's out. Joey Bosa obviously still out. Uh, update on Travis Benjamin. For those of you who don't know, uh, he has a cast on his foot. Hasn't practiced this week and is apparently supposed to be out two to three weeks. You know, whatever. Uh, good news, Joe Barksdale and Russell Okung were both back limited today. Um, I'm pretty sure Anthony Lynn said he doesn't expect either of them to be available on Sunday, but it's a good sign that they're practicing. It'll be good to have them back. But, yeah, I mean, the the Raiders were only rolling into week five, and they are already the walking wounded over there in Oakland. Oh, you're definitely right. And just uh, hop off one of the uh, people you mentioned on the Chargers injury report. That was uh, Travis Benjamin being out for, I think you said it was two, three, four weeks, something like that. Yeah, two to three weeks is everything that I saw. Okay, and that's an honestly a good thing. You don't want to wish injuries on people, but it was kind of a night and day difference between 
when Travis Benjamin was utilized in the offensive game plan against the Niners and when he wasn't available against the Rams the week before, uh, all of a sudden the Mike will, you know, train of popping off for awesome touchdowns, getting targets, all that stuff that really came to an end the second that Travis Benjamin came back to playing some sort of a role. So honestly, Travis Benjamin, good receiver. He's done uh, plenty for the Chargers. Uh, he's been hurt quite a bit lately. But as of right now, I don't think the Chargers need him. And I think, if anything, he is keeping uh, targets away from Mike Williams um, and kind of limiting this offense going forward. Because I think when he's on the field, the offensive coach staff, for some reason, feels the need to fit him in somehow. And especially watching the Chiefs, the Rams, um, all these people utilize their speed players. Uh, with terms of jet motions and, and other things such as that, you know, to uh, distract, whatever, get them looking the wrong way. Um, they've been trying to do that with Benjamin on these orbit motions, jet motions, these sweeps, and it just does not seem to be working. I don't know why it isn't because it looks like it's trying to be the same thing, but um, it's just not getting it done. And I think if anything, the presence of Benjamin is limiting the Chargers offense. So uh, hope he gets better, but I think this might spell good things for the Chargers offense, at least in these two to three weeks that he is not in the plan. Oh, yeah, I agree with all that. And, you know, we'll we'll go more in depth on uh, the show that we put out for Saturday uh, for this matchup. Um, but, yeah, everything you just said is true that, you know, it's probably going to be addition by subtraction with Travis Benjamin out of this lineup and, you know, get the Chargers, you know, getting Mike Wilmore involved, continuing to let him flourish, continuing to let that relationship with Rivers develop. And, you know, just, you know, putting the better players on the field, in all honesty. So, um, yeah, I think where we're at in the AFC West, I mean, the the, the Chiefs are out in front at 4-0. The Broncos are in second place at 2-2 two and because two they have that division win. Um, they also have a division loss, but they do have one division win. And the Chargers are just behind them, still tied at 2-2, two and two, but they only have a division loss um, since this will be the second division game this weekend. And then the Raiders pulling up the rear at one and three with one soon to be two division losses. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the AFC West is shaping up um, after this first quarter is shaping up to be pretty competitive and uh, it's going to be a good race uh, going through the season between the Chiefs, Broncos and Chargers. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, I'm excited for this week's matchup. It's been kind of funny too. Uh, see some of the things popping up on social media. And I didn't know this was a rule that apparently they implemented uh, in 2009, but they don't sell beer after halftime of the Chargers Raiders games. Do you know that? Yep. No, no beer, no beer after halftime. And each time you go to the concession stand, you can only purchase one alcoholic drink per person. You can't have two to bring back to your seat. So, and this is apparently, it, apparently it's not a new rule. Apparently they did this even back when they were at Qualcomm the past couple of years just because Raiders fans have, you know, gotten so shitty and, and been so unruly that the Chargers are basically doing whatever they can to, you know, limit that. And the other crappy thing that, I don't know if you saw this today, but um, the Chargers, and this is, you know, this is both sad and crappy, but the Chargers had to pipe in crowd noise at practice this week to simulate a loud crowd in preparation for a quote unquote home game at StubHub. So 
that's the state of things. I mean, we've all seen the pictures about how other fans, uh, other teams' fans have been rolling in deep at StubHub and basically taking the place over. Um, they're they're expecting possibly their worst uh, example of that this weekend with with the Raiders. Because I mean, if, if we're honest, LA is still vastly a Raiders town, and so it's not a stretch to have that many of them there. And it's it could get way out of hand. No, you're speaking the truth. I, you know, remember what the crowd looked like against the 49ers and the whole thing was red. It was red as hell. And it's going to be black, very, very black come this Sunday. So I don't think it's a bad idea. Just on a side note, I actually personally think it's, I feel more confident, let's put it this way, when the Chargers go to away games when they play away games because i think there's something about playing in front of that normal size crowd um in general not just even if it's away that might be more comforting and more i guess in a way normal instead of playing in this home field i just it like obviously there's no home field advantage either way whether it's a big crowd or not I, the crowd's been the opposite at chargers home games even when they were back in their last two years in qualcomm so I almost think it's better for them just to play in a big crowd in general uh, than playing StubHub, even if it was filled with their fans. But maybe that's just me. Um, I might be weird about that. But you're right. It's going to be a lot of black come Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What day is it? <laughs> what I don't know. Is We're this? Best uh -oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that about does it. Do you have any other random AFC West thoughts before we get out of here? Man. I just have a feeling this game, I guess we'll preview it on Saturday. I just feel like the game's going to be closer than we'd like it to be. Um, the same way I think I said it about the Niners game. But uh, if the Chargers come to play, it shouldn't be. Um, the Raiders, there's just no way there can be a loss handed to us by John Gruden. And after everything he's done, just start saying your prayers right now. Uh, so real quick, uh, I just remembered something. So we will get, we'll definitely get more into this in our next show. But give me your, let's say, one sentence instant reaction to the Chargers dropping Drew Kayser instead of Caleb Sturgis this week. What What is your just real quick initial thought? Synergy over strategy. I've yeah, <laughs> I think that nails it. I think that's the perfect way to put that. Um. Because we know why they're doing it. We know exactly why they're doing it. They even said it uh, that when they worked out Donnie Jones and Trapaka, that Donnie Jones, quote unquote, popped or like stood out. And, you know, I think there is to be said something, there's something to be said, excuse me, about that kind of relationship. Um, the trust, I don't think it's it can be understated, but he's still 38 years old. I didn't realize yeah. that a punter like, and I get like kickers can be old as hell, but like I've been a punter and there are times where I feel like I pull something when I start kicking really hard again after, you know, not hunting for a while. So we'll see how he does. I hope he's still got a leg on him. Um, I know guys like Vittateri and people like them uh, can still rip it at their age, but We'll just see. Hopefully this just fixes it because, you know, as stupid as it may sound right now, if all of a sudden Sturgis is just, you know, gunning field goals down and he's just nailing kick after kick, it's going to look like the greatest move. So I'm going to be reserved right now and just say, let's just see what happens. And 
the results will speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, it, like you said about the relationship, it, it it is not to be understated. I mean, the it, it's kind of like how the team was able to just bring in Antonio Gates on zero practice and throw him into a game because he and Phil have been doing it together for so long. Caleb Sturgis and uh I mean um I mean he was he was Caleb Sturgis's holder in in Philadelphia and obviously like the goal is to punt as little as possible so you're keeping him off the field but he also even though he's that old he didn't spend the summer kicking cuz he he was basically retired so he 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 wasn't kicking over the summer he was I think if you read the Chargers article about it he was at Home Depot or something when he got the call from them, like getting ready to do some like dad chores. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he, hopefully he's fresh as fresh as you can be at 38 years old and, uh, come in and, you know, not suck at punting and improve this kicking game. Cause like you said, if it works out, they look like geniuses, but if they've done this and Caleb Sturgis comes in and he's still shanking punts and I mean, shanking kicks and, and, and missing extra points. They're going to have a lot to answer for uh, deciding to keep Caleb Sturgis and cut uh, Drew Kayser. Now Drew Kayser was doing crappy this year already. And you know, he had regressed from last year. He had that, you know, that blocked punt in the end zone. That was mostly his fault uh, along with the uh, special teams coordinator. But yeah, it was, uh, on paper, this move makes sense, and I hope it works out that way. Um, but, yeah, that about does it for this evening. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening once again. Uh, my co-host has been Michael Peterson. You can find him on Twitter, at Zone Tracks. Uh, my name is Matthew Stanley. You can find me on Twitter, at Bolt Fan in Denver. Um, and uh, we actually just got our first employee, and so heading up the complaints department, um, at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. If there's any complaints, any negative feedback, just go ahead and throw it his way. Uh, he'll be more than happy to take that. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Verge Cast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.